You're listening to Drek FM. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. getting here well my ticket and you're talking to me about healing through belief you're a man looking at the world through a keyhole and you spent your whole life trying to widen that keyhole to see more to know more and now on hearing that it can be widened in ways you can't imagine you reject the possibility no, i reject it because i do not believe in fairy tales about chakras or energy or the power of belief there is no such thing as spirit we are made of matter Nothing more. You're just another tiny, momentary speck within an indifferent universe. You think too little of yourself. Oh, you think you see through me, do you? Well, you don't. But I see through you! pushed your astral form out of your physical form. What's in that tea? Psilocybin? LSD? It's just tea. With a little honey. Welcome everyone to Trek FM's dedicated show to everything that's geeky that's not revolving around Star Trek. <laughs> Our general geek show. I'm so excited to be here tonight. We're going to geek out hard about some Marvel. And I, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to this. It might be, I don't know, um... We might get esoteric. It might feel a little strange. I don't know. But uh, just just, uh, just hold on to your butts, as uh, Arnold would say in Jurassic Park, because we've got a great show for you tonight. I'm so excited. Before we get dive in, of course, um, you can check everything out. We do here at Trek FM on iTunes at iTunes.com slash Trek FM. We're a feature provider there. Hit us up with a star baiting and review. And in fact... Uh, before we dive into anything else, I've got to give a big shout out to some people uh, who gave us some brand new star baitings and reviews here. Uh, we had Mick Cache, 33, five star review. We had J Club 16, five star review, and Alexander Gates, five star review. Guys and gentlemen, ladies, whoever, I mean, it could be an alien giving us the reviews. I don't know from the usernames. But I just want to say a huge thank you to you guys for doing that. It's, it means the world to me that uh, you all have gone on iTunes and given us those star ratings reviews, helping us grow. Thank you so much. Follow their lead. Do that for us, and you'll get mentioned on the show. I don't even care if it's like one star. Just I, I really appreciate it. If it's one star, tell me why it's one star. I always want to make the show better, and I really appreciate this. So uh, you can find us on Twitter. At Trek FM, Facebook, Facebook.com slash Trek FM. Of course, we're uh, on our listeners only discussion group, which is called the Babel Conference on Facebook. You can check that out by typing Babel into the search field there on Facebook. Or if you're at our website, Trek.fm, click discussion on the menu bar and that'll bring you over there. Please, if you'd like, uh, send us voicemail. Speakpipe.com slash Trek FM. Alice is really good at doing that. I love when she sends us voicemails, so maybe I can talk to her and do that again. And, of course, 
you can go over to trek.fm slash contact, choose the show, choose the 602 Club, and that'll come straight to us over here at the 602 Club. Now, as I said, we're going to talk about Strange, Doctor Strange tonight. And to Doctor do that, who? I need some... In- I Well, I don't know. He's, he's, he's like Doctor Weird um, like or something like that. I don't know. Um, but we have some incredible people. And as you already heard, Alice, it's great to have you back here in the 602 Club. It's great to be back. It's been a while. Uh, and I am, I am glad to be here for this one. I'm excited to talk about this one. I am too. You know what's great is that we're doing this. We're recording this on election night here in the United States. And I we can't are. think of a better <laughs> film title, Doctor Strange, because it's been a strange election. Ooh, man. So uh, it's it's feeling good. But I'm really excited because somebody I finally met this last year at Dragon Con, the man, the myth, Nate, the legend, Aaron Goins. Aaron, it's great to have you here on the 602 Club for the first time. What's up, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing much, buddy. How are you? Happy to be here. I'm just happy I got you on my show before you got me on your show. That is true. You did. But that's because you had to cancel. This is true. You tried. Time, so. See, that was all strategic. Yeah. 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 Mm, strategery. Yes. I see how it's I see how we're playing this. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So I wanted to we were talking a little bit before the show. You know, for Marvel, this is this is something new where we're going to have, uh, you know, a wizard. Uh, we're going to get into magic. You're a wizard, Steven. I wanted to know where you guys were coming into this one, because to me, that's the, one of the most interesting things with these big tentpole films. Where are people actually as they come into the film? So, Aaron, what's your familiarity with Doctor Strange? Were you really excited for this? Are you a huge fan? Had you watched all the trailers? Had you read all the spoilers? Or did you, where were you? I was a pretty blank slate coming into this one. Like I had seen the trailer, like maybe one of the trailers or whatever TV spots had been on, but I don't read the Marvel comics typically. I do try to keep up with some of the Marvel characters, just generally what's going on with like Spider-Man or Iron Man. But Doctor Strange is one that's just never been on my radar. So for me... I wasn't really excited about this one. It was kind of one of those things where I had nothing better to do on opening night of this movie. And so I just asked a couple coworkers, hey, you guys want to go see Doctor Strange? It looks like it might be kind of cool. But really, there was I was a pretty much a blank slate, which I think worked out in my favor because I didn't have a lot of expectations coming into the movie. I wasn't coming in there looking for a character that I knew very well in kind of a certain way that he would be represented. I just didn't know what to expect. What about you, Alice? Um, I make a concerted effort these days to try and go into movies without having been exposed to every piece of media there is available to them. So, And I don't watch regular television anymore, so I really hadn't seen any trailers or anything. Um, I uh, was introduced to the Doctor Strange character, I think, through Marvel 1602. Um, I'm not a huge Marvel reader, uh, but I do enjoy several of their characters, and uh, in that particular comic, Doctor Strange was my favorite character, so I ended up picking up a um, Master Collected Works of the original Stan Lee uh, written comics and enjoyed, I, to tell you honestly, I hadn't read much Stan Lee previous to that uh, and really sort of enjoyed his irreverent sort of approach to uh, comic writing uh, and really enjoyed that. So I guess I was I was looking forward to it in, in a sense, but 
much like Aaron, I didn't have many expectations going in. I think you uh, did hit on something that made Marvel a huge success in the 60s was that irreverent style that Stan Lee brought. And that's one of the things that really made Marvel a a just a blowout success for the 60s and, and just kind of took DC by storm. Uh, they they just destroyed them that that decade and, and a few decades after that people responded to the characters that they created in in that irreverence and so i'm with you guys though this is fun we we all kind of are coming in at this for mostly a blank slate uh, i didn't know a lot about this the only thing i'd really seen for it was the trailers now i have to say something that was really interesting for me because watching the trailers I don't feel like they did a great job selling me on the movie. I didn't watch them think, oh man, that's going to be awesome. To me, my first reaction was like, it just kind of looks like Inception. And and so I didn't really have a strong sense of the movie before I went in. So again, I'm just kind of not super excited. I'm not like, you know, uh, on the other side, I'm, I'm very neutral so this movie, all it has to do is, is you know, be a good movie to win me over. And I, I think that's a good place to go in. You know, I, I know for myself, a lot of these big tentpole films, I do have expectations for when I go in. Like, uh, you know, we got Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them coming out in a few weeks. Or, you know, previously this year with uh, any of the the big movies that have come out, like Civil War came out this year, Batman v Superman, that kind of stuff. I have huge expectations for that stuff. But this one, you know, I, I, I liked not really knowing what I was going to get. So I think that's really fun. I wanted to ask you, though, because is this movie something that's really new? Did it feel fresh to you? You've both seen, I know you've both seen all of the Marvel films, so did, you know, 14 movies in, does this feel like something new? I mean, we're we're entering into the strange, like I said earlier, esoteric, trippy world of magic and dimensions and, you know, faith versus science kind of stuff. But did this really feel like a, a new story to you guys? It definitely felt, certain elements of it felt different. You know, we got some familiar elements like, like the the main character is very similar to Tony Stark in a lot of ways. And so you're kind of feeling that you're like, oh, we're getting another sarcastic, you know, rich, smart character. I felt like that at least at the beginning of the movie, it kind of started out that way. But I feel like they they went a different direction with it, which I was happy with. But I did feel like when you're introducing the idea of magic and these alternate dimensions, like this multiverse type idea, it's really the first time they, they dabbled in that when it comes to the Marvel universe, especially well, it's like the uh, Marvel film universe. And it's probably the most different Marvel movie that we've gotten since Guardians. So I, I do think it, it, it definitely introduced things that were different. I did feel like it was different, but at the same time, it was still grounded in what we've gotten before from Marvel. I mean, it's, it's definitely familiar and that we once again have an origin story. Um, but I think it's hard to, in some senses, avoid the origin story if you're introducing a character, especially a character that uh, isn't as well known as, say, Iron Man 
Captain America, some of those other characters. I mean, I don't think Doctor Strange is a particularly a character that many people are going to know. Although Ant Man certainly didn't have a problem. Uh, I, and I'm I'm trying to think of you know one of the things it, totally perhaps going off into left field here. I, I was thinking of Master and Commander because you know that's a whole huge series of books. And they didn't start with sort of the origin of those characters. They started right smack dab in the middle, essentially, with that story. But I actually really enjoyed that movie and liked it. So, I mean, there's an example where you don't necessarily have to do the origin story to to have people engage with a character. But, you know, I, I guess none of that stuff, I, I wasn't thinking too much about it. I mean, I was there in the movie theater just sort of enjoying myself uh, for the most part. Um, and in retrospect, I, I, you know, it felt like a good action movie to me, you know? It's really funny. Uh, and this might seem like the strangest correlation. So I went to seminary. And so for me, if, if I visit a new church, it is hard for me to turn off the, the critical brain of okay this is how they do this this is how this is why they're you know all of that kind of stuff because i i know the the background of it you know i feel like that sometimes uh, these days because i do this show i'm not a critic or anything i just do a show where i give my opinion about other people's creative work and say yay or nay uh and people enjoy listening to it i think but it's weird because uh, in me there's there's been cultivated that checklist of things that you're kind of looking for and you have an uh, understanding you know after 14 marvel films you kind of have an idea of they have a formula for doing something why they do it and for the most part it's worked pretty well i mean look at the box office so i had a hard time in this movie because it felt like the marvel formula and not new enough i really got stuck in this place where the storyline, like you said, Aaron, for Doctor Strange, Stephen Strange, he's so similar to Tony Stark, his whole motivation, he's just a wisecracking, smartass, rich dude who thinks he can run the world because, you know, like he's just smarter than everybody else in the room, gets knocked down and has to find his way back up to save, you know, the world. It's just, to me, I was surprised that a movie about extra dimensions and realities, and magic, and, you know, like, the fact that there's more of them in the material world felt so mundane. I, I don't know. I it, So that was really, to me, it didn't feel new. It just felt like the most formula movie that Marvel has made thus far. But you didn't feel that way about any of the seven Marvel movies that came before it? Well, uh, no, I've, I felt like that about, I actually, and I am way different than everybody else. We'll talk about this next year, but I actually felt that about Guardians. I, I, I don't feel like Guardians is all that mind-blowing that other people do. I, I feel like it's more formula story for everyone involved, all the characters involved. There's nothing really surprising happening, and I got that from this movie, too, and part of it... Uh, it just kind of, it felt Green Lantern-ish. Ooh. You know, like, <laughs> Thank dude, you, Aaron. dude gets magical powers, basically, <laughs> and then has to fight an all-awesome thing, like, that we can't really explain, and it's it's like, 
So I'm interested in in hearing you say this because I do find it, you know, and everyone has a different approach to this, obviously. But I'm 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 always fascinated to hear people when they say this magical or incredible or alien or whatever thing is believable, and I can suspend my belief and go down this path. But this one over here is not. So you know the fantastical, incredible powers of any of the other superheroes, you're perfectly okay with moving forward with those. But the magical, mystical aspect of Doctor Strange's, you're not okay with? Like I, No, 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 no. That's, that's not the difference. Okay, so uh, what's the difference? I, I'm like? not complaining about the magic or whatever. I'm just saying that the movie, the storyline is formulaic. That the 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 what's happening in the story to the characters it it's it's not about the the magic of it it's about the base storyline for the character of Strange and everybody else around him you, you see what I'm saying like he's just the hero on a journey there's nothing special about that journey there's nothing and honestly there's there's nothing all that hard about the journey for him I mean. It's it's really it's really not all that difficult, you know. Once he gets his magical powers, like he kind of goes from being an arrogant doctor to an arrogant sorcerer. He doesn't really change. There's no arcs. There's no nuance. It's just it's kind of clear cut cardboard action film, Marvel film. So it's not about the magic. It's just it, it's about the storytelling devices they're using to. Uh, introduce the character. So, Aaron, what's your what's your opinion on that? I mean, I, I again, I assume you've seen all of them before. Do you feel like it's? I see where Matt's coming from with the the fact that they're using a formula, but I think for me that's not a problem. I think Marvel has they have figured out a formula when it comes to these superhero movies that works. Now, I don't. I'm not going to say I like every Marvel movie that's come out. There's been a couple misses for me, but. This one did remind me of Iron Man, but I like Iron Man. And, you know, I like the character of Tony Stark. And uh, Stephen Strange was, he wasn't a carbon copy of a Tony Stark. He had some similar elements to him, some similar humor. But ultimately, his path was a lot different. But I, I thought the formula worked. There were some things about the movie I didn't love, you know, when it comes to the villains. I thought they were a little bit shallow. But I did think that, you know, I, I I really did enjoy the idea of magic and their explanation of, you know, how uh, magic was being brought into the universe through these multiverses. And, you know, I, for me, it was an extremely entertaining movie. It's sure it's a it's one of those popcorn kind of flicks where you, I'm not looking for it to be a deep movie. If I want to watch a deep movie, I'm not going to go watch a superhero movie. So for me, it worked. And I actually really I liked it a lot more than I thought it was going to. I think um, what was great is that the movie has some really interesting themes in it. You know, it it's talking about that whole idea of magic versus, you know, science or faith versus science. You know, all of those kind of questions. It brings all those up. And I thought it was really, really interesting to see how those things were playing against each other. I thought that was actually really uh, one of the, the best parts of the film were some of those deeper philosophical ideas that they touch. Uh, and, and I really like that because, you know, the, the dominant worldview that Strange has as a, as a doctor is that, hey, 
there's nothing beyond what I can see, taste, touch, or feel. Uh, he he is a complete materialist in that sense, and you know it, it, it's shown to him just how little he knows about the world uh, and about the universe at large. And a lot of those themes I thought were really really fascinating, and so I liked that this movie in some of those areas, touches on those things, and and I thought that was really fun. I wish that they had delved in a little bit deeper to some of that stuff so that I could have felt like if you're going to use the formula, okay, use the formula, but add some layers to that. And they added some in those themes, but then I, I just, I felt like it didn't break enough with the formula to, to really bring me out because where Aaron, you're like, I loved Iron Man. I loved Iron Man too. I thought it was great. It's still one of the best Marvel movies they've ever made. And it was number one. If it's reminding me of Iron Man, then I start to compare it. And I'm like, well, I just, I'd rather watch Iron Man. You know, that's where I, you want your, I feel like you want your origin stories to stand apart. So like Iron Man wasn't like Captain America, completely different type of film. I don't know. And you you watch Doctor Who, right? Yes. So you know how you watch Doctor Who and it's like a two it's a two episode arc. It's one of those, you know, you know, two episode stories and you watch the first episode and you're just like this that was kind of pointless. It's really like I don't get it. And then you watch the second episode and it all makes sense and you're like oh that was the most amazing two episode storyline they've ever had. But when you first watch when you watch that first episode it was just missing something. I feel like that's where we're at with Doctor Strange. I think they're really setting up a character that's going to influence things that are coming up. He's going to play into, you know, just with some of the the you know, after credit scenes we got. It looks like there's a much more to this story, and I don't know how much you want to go into. We can go into full spoilers with this stuff, right? Oh, yeah, full spoilers. You know, so he's going to be a part of Thor's story. He's going to be a part of, you know, the he's got one of the Infinity Stones, right? You know, so he's probably going to play a part in that upcoming story. So I think we just we just got the first part of something much bigger. And I think the payoff is coming down the road. I think they did a really good job of introducing this character to us. But this isn't all we're getting from him. So just wait, Matt. It's I mean, I'm, I'm frankly glad it clocked in under two hours. <laughs> I'm kind of tired. I'm tired of the two and a half hour movie where it's not really necessary. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm always uh but always more is not always better. I hear exactly what you're saying, Aaron. And part of me understands it, but the other part to of me thinks, yes, we have this serialized film now, not just serialized TV, but we need to be really careful in our serialization of film to not allow stories to fully stand on their own and feel fully developed enough so that you come out of the movie and you feel ah, resolution enough but you are you could be excited about what's coming next and um i think for me on that point this movie felt like marvel filler like we're we're just we have to do this origin story for him but it it just i kind of yeah, I'll just say it. I feel like they phoned this one in. It's just like, you know, eh, we got to tell the story, but we got the Infinity Wars coming up. We need Strange for that. We, you know, uh, Thor, Ragnarok, that kind of stuff. 
I, I don't know. I, that's just, I, I came out of this and I, I hate this word. I don't like using it, but it was just like, meh. I don't like feeling like that <laughs> when I watch a superhero movie. You know, I, I want to go in and, and really enjoy it. And parts of it I really did enjoy. So I want to jump into the cast because I think we can go on and on and on. But I love Benedict Cumberbatch. I really like this guy. Um, he's so good and, and Sherlock, you know, I, I enjoyed his run in, in Star Trek as Khan, even though that there's that that's a whole other podcast about things. But the guy's a great actor. And so I liked him a lot. And he I felt like if he had not been cast in this role, I feel like the movie would have been in even worse trouble. Uh, but I I thought he did this role. To me, I, I thought it was perfect. He he pulled it off. He did everything he needed to do to carry this movie on his shoulders. I was trepidatious about uh, Benedict in this role. I liked him just fine. I mean, as you know, as a, a not, I mean, he's a brilliant actor. His accent did slip a little bit here and there, but honestly, it didn't really bother me. I wasn't thinking about it that much. I, I hate I hate saying that no other actor could have done this role justice. Um, because I think there probably are ones that could have done it justice. Obviously, they would have brought different subtext uh, to the story. That said, I too really enjoyed his performance and was was happy to watch him. He's as an actor, he's coming very close to that point where I'm not going to not be able to see him as a person versus him in the role that he's in. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about that for him. Uh, but yeah, I really I I enjoyed him. Yeah, I was a little worried with the casting of this character too. I, I didn't know how, like I watched Sherlock and, you know, I saw him in, in Star Trek obviously, but I didn't know how well he would work in the Marvel universe. I just didn't feel like he maybe would fit. So I wasn't sure, you know, what to expect, but actually pretty quickly I was on board with him as the character. He just, he slipped right into it. felt like he played the character different. Um, you know, a lot of these actors, even somebody like a Robert Downey Jr., he kind of plays the same character in every movie he's in. Um, even though he does an amazing job at playing Iron Man, he plays, you know, that character in every single movie. I thought Benedict Cumberbatch brought something different to this role than, you know, he didn't play it as he plays Sherlock. He didn't play it as he played Khan. He is just a whole different character. I've actually never seen Benedict Cumberbatch play a character like this. So I thought it was pretty interesting. He definitely did slip up on the accent from time to time, but I'll give him a pass on that. But yeah, I thought he I, he did great. He was definitely not in any way a bad part of this movie he i don't know if he necessarily carried the movie on his shoulders but he he definitely helped it along yeah i mean i think that i i love your point aaron that he's an actor who definitely has a lot of range and it was it was kind of neat to see him play a more comedic role a more light-hearted role than he's normally been known for i mean you know uh so I, I um I really do I I I like him in this movie a lot. Uh, I I think that they could have challenged him a little bit more in the role. And and this is this is the part. So once he gets his magical powers, after he passes that very first test of you know making the portal to get himself back from Everest, there's no real big challenge for him. There's no there's nothing there's no setback really there's there's nothing that really 
happens to move him forward again as a character. He just kind of like, oh, he's, you know, he kind of becomes that I've got it all. You know, he, he puts his brain to use and he, he just, he learns everything. So I was looking for something that gave him just, it, it, I don't know, some hardship or something that caused there to be more depth to the character so he could really play that range. Because once that happens, he really just gets to be a more Tony Stark type character where everything becomes quippy and jokey and whatnot. And I, I missed that because I felt like the beginning of the film, that scene where he's yelling at Christine Palmer, uh, played by Rachel McAdams, that scene in their apartment, that was the stuff where I was, I was really into this movie because there was a real depth to the character. He was going through something, but I, I didn't feel like what got him over the hump. I didn't feel like it was a good turn. I, I wanted there to be more to that because he was just chewing up the scenery with, with that stuff. I wanted him to have more to do. I don't know. Did you guys feel like that? Like you wanted to see the character have a little bit more struggle or was his character arc okay for you guys? Yeah, I can definitely agree with you on that as far as it did seem like things came a little too easy for him. I think part of that is the, the the necessity to move the story along. I would have liked to see more of his training as a sorcerer and, you know, kind of more struggles for him to get to the point that he got to. He didn't really, you know, they showed him trying to do the, the whole circle thing and, you know, trying to build the portal. And then they trapped him, you know, on whatever the top of, whatever mountain that was, Mount Everest, I Everest. guess. <laughs> they, they trap him there, which I thought was a really funny scene, but he, you know, he just figured it out. Like there was not, I was almost hoping that he wouldn't get it the first time and they would have to go kind of rescue him before he froze to death and then maybe he would get it the next time. But the fact that he just kind of, he got it right away, everything did come really easy to him. I, so I can definitely agree with you there, but I think part of that is just that, you know, they needed to move the story along and they didn't have that time to to kind of give us you know, maybe a lot of his training was just seen, was kind of off screen. I did like the fight scene though with him and his uh, what was the guy's name? Mordo. Mordo, yeah. Where yeah. they're fighting, yeah, that was yeah some pretty good. I mean, definitely some good training scenes. It just it all happened very fast. I did like I I really do like the scene between him and the ancient one, uh, where she says to him, "Arrogance and fear still keep you from learning the simplest and most significant lesson of all," and he says, "Which is." It's not about you. And I I really liked that that scene. I liked what it has to say and and I really loved that that does come into play later on. I wish that it had been a little less maybe subtle in the film and a little more overt, but there was some great stuff here. I don't know, it didn't it, it I I guess I'm just the odd egg. It didn't really bother me that much. I mean, people fall in love in movies at the snap of a finger. Um, I'm not really sure why this has to be so different. Uh, and I, for me, it fit with the character. I mean, a brilliant man who, uh, you know, uh, can has a photographic memory, was able to get through medical school as a neurosurgeon, incredibly smart, very gifted, skilled, all of that kind of stuff. I didn't find it so surprising that he jump to the head of the class uh, very quickly, um, even though still struggling clearly with that notion that it's, you know, all of that is his vanity. You know, he he understands that he's brilliant and, and skilled. Uh, 
and sort of takes advantage of that. But I don't know, it just didn't bother me. Yeah, it definitely didn't bother me. I'm kind of with you. I think they were definitely trying to establish that he was he was predisposed to be a great sorcerer. It's kind of like, you know, you made the Harry Potter joke kind of at the beginning, Matt, but it's similar where Harry comes into Hogwarts and he kind of just figures it out and he's the best wizard there is right away, you know, and that's kind of how it is for, you know, for Strange as well. He, he, they were trying to establish like, hey, this guy, he is a prodigy in this, you know, he has found his, his calling, his gift. So it definitely, it didn't bother me. I, I just would have liked to see more of the training. Um, but I, it did, it did make sense that someone, I mean, even the scenes where he's, he's going into this library and he's learning new languages. He's, he's memorizing books. Like this is a man, this is a genius level person. And they, they did establish that very well. Yeah. Uh, no. And I, I think, you know, it, it's not a, it's not a huge frustration. It's just, I, I guess with, you know, 14 Marvel movies, it's like at this point you need to keep wanting me to come back especially if you're going to introduce new characters into your universe this didn't necessarily win me over to think you know the next film that comes out that with it's a new character i really want to go out and see unless it's just the 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 trailers are just blowing me away you know like the trailers kind of had me going eh and I came out of the movie going, eh. So I, I think that my my criticism is just that they need to be careful not to take it uh, for granted that, yes, the formula works. It works. You still made a decent movie. But I think you need to keep continue to find a way to bring people back and give them that wow factor that, oh, you know. So that I think to me that was the thing that really got me. Uh, and, it, and it was just part of that was around, you know, the, the character arc. It's very cardboard cutout. Guy gets powers, saves the world. Just like Captain America. Just like Iron Man. Just like Hulk. Just like, I mean, that's sort of like you're describing like the superhero story. <laughs> I mean, like that's well, what it's you're, about. You're, exactly. <laughs> you're you're making my point for me, though, is that if 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 a lot of the superheroes have similar storylines... You need to find a way to make it unique enough so it does stand apart so that people want to go see it. So people get out of the theater and are raving about the film so that people want to go. How did it do? Speaking, speaking of that, it, it how did, did it do well. over the box office? It did well at, the, did at the box office. Uh, and I, I looked and, you know, in a lot of places, the rating for, for people is about three and a half to four stars. So that's that's. I thought good. it was like above 90% on... Rotten yeah, tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes is 90%. Uh, Metacritic, which I like better, uh, is uh, it's about 74%. So I'm not. It's not that I'm not hearing your point, Matt. I'm, I I honestly hear your point. You've watched all of the Marvel movies, and the formula is the formula, and you've seen the formula now 14 times. So if they don't start changing the formula, you're going to get bored. I I think. I I will be curious to see one if the if the formula is so formulaic introducing a new character introducing magic whether or not that draws perhaps some people who are tired with the other formula of the alien and the you know the other type of powers that come along 
whether or not it finds legs with perhaps a slightly different Marvel viewer. I, you know, I think it remains to be, I think it remains to be seen. I actually came out of the movie more than, I, I mean, I would, I would, I was perfectly happy to have spent full price to have seen this movie. I have to ask you about, uh, and I can't pronounce his first name, so please forgive me, but Edge of Four playing uh, Mordo. And what did you guys think about him since he plays a pretty key role in this as well as, spoiler alert, what's going to come next for Doctor Strange? No, I thought the the casting choice for that character was was great as well. There wasn't really a character in the entire movie that I felt like was miscast. I thought they he was a great choice. Uh, for that role with a name like Mordo, you almost expect that the character is going to go bad. You know, (laughs) it was one of those like leading names. Um, So when I, I don't think I even picked up on his name being Mordo until kind of late in the movie. And then I remember turning to my brother who was with me at the theater as the credits were rolling. And I turned to him and I said, his name is Mordo. That means he's going to be bad next movie right like and then of course the after credit scene came up and of course we find out that he is kind of going bad and trying to wipe out all the other sorcerers so um it's kind of a it's sad though because i felt like he he was the the moral like strong point in the movie where everybody else was kind of dabbling in the dark powers and he was the one that was like hey guys we can't mess with this stuff but it ended up being the one the one character who was so against using the the dark powers ends up being the one that turns bad. So I don't know. There must be some life lesson in there. Um, I actually I, I I think he's a wonderful actor. Also, um, in terms of the character development, uh, I think I think that character development was perhaps a little bit shallower than Benedict's or Doctor Strange's. So if if that wasn't deep enough for you, I'm curious to know what your perspective was, uh, Matt. Uh, but I do. I like the actor. Um, I thought he had his serious and his fun moments, and uh, I believed him. I thought he was good. I, I thought he did uh, and played the role really well. I think that uh, I would have, like you, I think it would have been great to have him have just a, a little bit more depth to him because I think that, especially moving into the next movie, you really want to understand his turn you know, and you watch that end credit scene. And I, I think if they had just done a little bit more with him, it would have really sold that. Uh, and, uh, but I think he's, I, I really like this actor. So I think he did a, a, a fantastic job. And I'll have to say that, you know, in the end, this is one of the wonderful things about Marvel movies is for the most part, none of the casting is ever bad. You know, they get great people to do these roles. And I think they did in, in Doctor Strange as well. It was really helpful, especially, and I have to say, again, I feel like along with Benedict Cumberbatch, if Rachel Adams, they don't cast somebody that you kind of already like, her role is small, so uh, she's not going to be as impactful uh, if it's not her. And I thought the little bit that they gave her to do, she did it well. Yeah, I I enjoyed her, the uh, ER doctor with perfectly manicured nails. (laughs) <laughs> whatever. Um, but I did find her yeah, that very believable. <laughs> <laughs> I found her very believable and likable, although one of the perhaps formulaic things that I'm growing a, a tish tired of is the people when faced with fantastical things just like, oh, 
oh, okay, well, I'm just going to roll with it versus like seriously freaking out or running the other way or being incapacitated and not being able to do their job. But, you know, all of that said, I I agree with you. I thought she was very charming uh, and had a lot of charisma on that film. Yeah, she didn't really have much to do. um, And she did take everything in stride uh, that. But she's she is a good actress um, and definitely, you know, there were some funny moments in some of her reactions to things and, you know, kind of her surprise when she sees him or uh, the moment where the, you know, the portal takes him away and she's just kind of like left in the closet by herself and then the broom falls over and it scares her, you know, and she she played that really well. Like she, yeah, she didn't have much to do, but she did it well. Well, and I liked that she's genuinely helpful in the movie. Like, She's good at her job and what she does, and she feels competent, and she does play a part in the movie that is important, which is saving his life. The hero needs to be saved by somebody else, and and he comes to her. So I like that. Um, I didn't have as much problem with her just kind of accepting weird things. I mean, she lives in New York, so she lived through uh, aliens attacking. You know, uh, she's seen weird stuff. You know, Brooklyn got destroyed by... uh, the Hulk years back, you know, so New York is pretty used to having weird crap happen to them at this point. Um, just learning that there's an, another layer to that wasn't all that odd, I guess, for her. Uh, I think it was just the weird thing of having it happen to somebody that she used to be in love with. So, And uh, I kind of, you know, I like that she was a woman who stood up for herself in the sense that she wasn't with him anymore because he wasn't really emotionally available. And she was like, screw that, you know, but that didn't mean that she stopped caring for him or, you know, really deep down vice versa. Uh, so I, I thought it was, it was an interesting, I just, I guess I wish that they, again, they got more for her to do. That would be fantastic. Uh, especially next time. And cause Rachel Wynn Adams is a fantastic actress, you know, give her something to do. And I actually kind of forgot about some of the early stuff that happened between them two when things were a little bit more serious. And there were some pretty powerful scenes, you know, between them two, especially right after the injury and he's in his apartment. She kind of brings him some food and she's doing everything she can to be a helpful friend. And he's just all he cares about is himself and his own misery. And the back and forth between them in those scenes was actually really powerful. And it did allow those two actors to really show their range and their acting chops more than kind of the lightheartedness that you get in the rest of the movie. But early on, there were some great scenes between the two actors. No, I, I, I I agree completely. 100% agree because, uh, like you said, I think my favorite scene in the movie is actually that scene in the apartment between the two of them when they're having the, you know, shouting match at each other because of all the stuff that's been going on. I thought it was, just a really well acted scene, and like you said, very important. So I liked that a lot. I guess that literally leads to just kind of one more uh, really important character, which was Tilda Swinton playing the ancient one. And I'm really interested to see what you guys thought of her. Yeah, I liked her a lot. I mean, I know there was some controversy as far as you know the casting choice and and having a a white actress play that role. I wasn't very familiar with the previous character so I wasn't you know that didn't really impact me maybe as much as it did other people but I thought that I thought she did a great job she's a great actress 
um, very believable in that role that she was kind of, you know, I like that he, he comes in so arrogant, like a know-it-all and she really puts him in his place pretty quick. And, you know, I thought, I thought she did great. And, and another very powerful scene in the movie was kind of her, her death. You know, she was doing everything she could to prolong her life and do good things. But at the same time, she was using a power that was dark to prolong her life. So she continued to do good things and it kind of caught up with her and to see her kind of accept that. And as, as she's dying and, and strange is not wanting her to die and they're, you know, she's out kind of watching a lightning bolt kind of freeze in the air, which is some amazing visuals, very powerful scene. I like the dialogue uh, there as well. So yeah, I thought, I thought she did an awesome job. I'm right there with you. I, you know, I didn't know the character coming in because I, I didn't know the comics and, and I, I heard, you know, with the, the controversy of casting her and, and I thought it was an interesting choice, you know, for them going this direction and making it a, a woman and everything. And, but to me, she was actually my favorite character in the movie. I really liked her character. I loved her challenge of everything that Strange believes in. Uh, you know, she just, she dismantles all of his beliefs about the world, about materialism, about, you know, uh, him being the center of the universe. I mean, all of the things that I kind of are, I feel like our world holds dear in, in, in modern society, you know, she just kind of dismantles all of that for him. And I, I really loved the themes that she portrays in the, in the movie. So for me, I, I liked her performance. Um, I've, I've liked her in other things. I think she was great in the Chronicles of Narnia as the, with the white witch. She was perfect. So, uh, I'm really glad to, to, that, you know, that the casting ended up working out so well. Uh, and yeah, I think it was great. Um, and with all of that, I wanted to ask you guys about the villains in the movie because this is a thing, you know, for a lot of Marvel movies, and it's just, it's, I mean, you can just Google it. Uh, it's all over the place, but, you know, that they don't really have strong villains. And I definitely got this sense in this film that everything about the villain is kind of glossed over, you know, like there, there's no real work to give you any kind of grounding about why this guy is doing what he's doing. And even when they do, again, it just, it, it's real quick. And, and to me, it, it ended up leading to another Marvel villain that it, it, there's, there's just not enough there to really, challenge my hero in a way that I find all that interesting. Yeah, there's definitely been some some great Marvel villains that we've gotten in previous movies. Um, you know, characters like Loki or Ultron uh where it's you kind of get their backstory, you know what their motivations are. But then we've had some and I don't even remember the name of the character cuz he meant so little to me, but from the second Thor movie Oh yeah, yeah. I I can't remember that that name either off the top of my head. You know, characters <laughs> like that where they were there, but I don't really remember why or what they were upset about or what they were trying to do or what they're trying to accomplish. I felt like we got a similar type of villain in this movie where it didn't really make sense to me. You know, I know he left the order 
and kind of went bad. But what his goal was didn't seem it didn't seem like it was anything that anybody would would want to do. You know, why why what is your goal here? Why are you trying to get to this place that seems like not the coolest place to be, <laughs> you know? Um so yeah, this this villain to me, uh I'm specifically speaking about um uh, what's the actor's name? Is it Mickelson that played him? Maz Mickelson. You know, it other I guess he was trying to gain power, but you know, it, it seemed like immortality, a big wasn't it? Right. But well, what he thought was going to be immortality. <laughs> yeah, well, but like nonetheless, that's what he thought. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, other than being kind of a cool, like the actor, I enjoyed the actor and, you know, kind of a cool character design. He was pretty shallow overall. And then you get the big villain at the end who just this big face in the sky, which I thought was not very creative. thought they could have done more with that as well. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he, he is in a sense, a, a throwaway villain. Cause again, they're, they're, uh, it's the setup movie, right? So really, you know, he, he's the, he, he's the girl in the Bond movie that dies. Uh, he's the villain in the Marvel movie that dies to set you up for the bigger villain. Uh, so I can, I can certainly agree with you, with you guys on the fact that his, his desire for, uh, in what he believes to be, uh, immortality is worth, the cost that the rest of us would find impossible to pay um, is not that is not that great. I actually, uh, I, I what bothered me about Dormammu wasn't necessarily the face, uh, which I thought was actually sort of an interesting design. It was how easily he became, uh, you know, a four-year-old at the end. Um, although it's not a hundred percent clear how long Benedict Cumberbatch does Groundhog Day there at the end, but. That it the people will probably be like livid that I'm mentioning this again, but again, it reminded me of what we get in Green Lantern, like this really big, almost incomprehensible type of villain, and it just seemed very, very similar. Mm, sort of like the big guy I in the like, chair in the Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like though uh, the. the I mean, it's a, it's a weak villain, but they are able to do enough in the end with Benedict Cumberbatch's turn of being able to sacrifice himself. Basically, he's willing to die over and over and over again for beyond eternity to save Earth. And I think that that was great. They They do that well enough so that uh, and, and the scene is funny, you know, as he keeps dying in various ways, uh, you know, and keeps turning back time. It was frustrating because again, it, it, the, the formula part of this came into play because I had leaned over to my plus one. And I was like, he's, he's going to turn back time. That's, that's how he's going to, you know, that, that's, that's what we're going to do in this. That's what's going to come back into play. So it, it, again, it, it just, it, I like part of it. I I don't like part of it. It and and the big part of that is is that it's not all that exciting. Uh, it, it's not. There's nothing revolutionary about it. Or it, yeah. But it it turned out to be okay because again, Benedict Cumberbatch, his portrayal in that scene and this all CGI scene, he still makes it work somehow. I think it was the lead up almost to that scene that was more epic. You know, mm-hmm. the the battle in the city and watching the destruction and 
as these these guys are trying to destroy the different um i forget what they called them but like temples um that were in the three different locations and so it was kind of that that epic battle that led up to the final scene was more entertaining to me um i actually really enjoyed the character uh was his name wong that they introduced yeah like he was a great character to have in the movie just you know not just for comic relief but just you know he was just kind of a a cool addition to the cast i was glad to see um him there but just kind of how all that stuff goes down uh leading up to the confrontation with the the man in the sky was more entertaining to me but i did i actually didn't see the whole time turn thing coming i can see where you where it was kind of telegraphed and i probably should have seen it coming but when he started doing it, I was like, oh, cool. Like, I'm glad that they, they brought that idea back and it wasn't just the whole Apple Core thing earlier in the movie. So that actually enjoyed the the device that they used to de- defeat the, the big villain. Well, and I, I do agree that it does turn out to be a really great way to defeat a villain who is outside of time to make him experience time. I thought that was pretty funny. So uh, I did want to ask you guys... Because, you know, especially we saw in the trailers, um, this movie has an enormous amount of CGI work and the battles take place in, in, you know, as spatially New York is changing all around them, you know, and buildings are moving in just like we saw in in Inception. uh, in, In the end, it actually kind of felt like interstellar inception to me in a lot of ways so i wanted to know how that worked for you both uh and if the action kept you engaged enough or if it started to feel like too much uh, i was i was curious about how they were going to do the mirror world having uh read the comics um and it you know i you know <laughs> Uh, it will forever be, of course, compared to uh, Inception, just like any other film that happens to do anything similar to that will also be compared to Inception because they got to do it first. Props to them. Uh, but I, I, for me, this was an action romp. Um, I enjoyed um, all of those scenes. I didn't get seasick. I didn't get motion sick. Uh, I, uh, I especially enjoyed the um, spiral moments uh, even more than the more square geometrical uh, changes. I thought the scene where he goes, when she first says to him, you you don't really know even uh, one-tenth uh, of a percent of what is really happening in the world, and she sends him off into the... For me, that scene goes on too long. You know, the one where she pulls him back and says, he seems fine to me, and then pushes him off again. I could have done less with that. Uh, but from an action movie romp perspective, I, I was along for the ride uh, and I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I love the idea of them introducing the multiverse idea into the movies. I, I think I, w- I would have rather seen more different types of universes um, like they showed. So when they had that one part where he was fighting and there were the three different um, portals that he kind of knocks them into yeah. and traps them there. I would have liked to see more of that, you know, more different dimensions that they're going into that are completely different than our world. Um, Rather than seeing just our world kind of warped. And I did get a little tired of the kind of the fighting and the the buildings kind of all falling around and stuff. It it got a little bit much for me. So, yeah, 
it was fine, but I would have rather seen something a little bit more more focused on the different realities being different. Um, yeah, it was very Inception-like, so it it uh, it did seem to cheapen it a little bit. I thought that it worked uh, especially well. It, it made the IMAX 3D experience worth the price of admission, I thought, because of all of the visuals. I did feel like sometimes it's so overpowering visually that it loses something in in the emotional element of what's happening in the battle, what they're fighting for, all that kind of stuff. I felt like the mo- moments that worked best uh, were the, uh, sh- the the showdown between uh, Maz Mikkelsen's bad guy and uh, the ancient one at the very beginning. I thought that was brief enough. And then when she comes back uh, in the end uh, there to, to save Strange and, and Wong and Mordeaux, uh, I thought that was fantastic. It was it was pretty awesome to see that. And so, uh, and, and any time that she was on screen fighting, I was invested enough in that character that I really enjoyed. So, uh, but, you know, it was pretty epic in scope. I mean, you know, if you're going to have a magician's fighting like that, uh, I think it, it does need to be something that's kind of overpowering visually. And they definitely pulled it off well. Um, I think that the, the CGI work and everything there was is very serviceable. Uh, and again, I enjoyed the 3D experience in that because it did actually help having dimension <laughs> coming at you. So that was worth it. I guess uh, the last thing I want to... Did you notice it? Because this is the first time that we've had, I think, somebody composing like this. Michael Giacchino did this score. And I wanted to ask you real quick what you thought of that. Uh, Aaron, did that did it stand out to you any differently at all from what we had had uh, in any of the other Marvel films? Or did it feel like you know, more of the same. The Marvel films haven't been known for their fantastic scores generally. Yeah, I mean, I admit that I'm not one to notice music in movies too often unless, you know, there's certain movies obviously that are exceptions to that where it's just fantastic music that you'll remember forever. But actually, I do remember as I'm watching the movie and some of the music cues I thought sounded very Star Trek to me, which I didn't even realize who was doing the music for this movie as I was watching it. And so I'm like, oh, that sounds like a Star Trek movie theme, like from the new Star Trek movies, which I think he did those as well, right? So Yes, he did. Yeah, so there were there were definitely familiar elements to his work because I recognized it without even knowing that it was him. But um it wasn't a um a soundtrack that I'm gonna go run out and buy. It didn't there weren't any major themes that kind of stuck out to me. Yeah, I I agree. I'm not it it has to be uh, Battlestar Galactica unusual for me to notice uh, music in a in a film, and in some cases I think it's it good if the you know the music doesn't stand out so much that it's distracting you from everything else that's going on. But I didn't it didn't stand out to me in a bad way, and it didn't stand out to me in a good way. And and for me, I think that's um, uh, I I think that's perfectly okay. Yeah, that's interesting to hear. I, I know that they got. Michael to come in and do the score. I think they wanted something that would stand out more to people. So I I think they'll hear that if anybody from Marvel's listening to this podcast. Uh you need to continue to work on that specifically. I think superhero movies uh for the most part have a reputation of having good scores, you know, something that is 
something that stands out. And, and part of that is, you know, we, we had John Williams do Superman and it's kicked off the whole thing. And when you have John Williams create a score, it's memorable and everybody can still hum that one. Uh, I liked this score enough. Uh, it, there were parts of it, like Aaron, you said Star Trek. I could hear that in there for sure. Uh, there are also parts of this that kind of made it feel Zelda-like, like the the old Zelda video games. Uh, it sounded like the music from that a little bit too, which I thought was a great pull because of the magical worlds with Zelda and everything. And I thought it was fun that it felt like that. So, you know, on a whole, I, th- I think it worked well enough for the movie. I, I wanted it to be stronger because I like Michael Giacchino. I was just disappointed that I didn't feel like it was the strongest, but, um, you know, the guy's been on a tear recently and is now doing Rogue One, so he's been pretty busy um, trying to pump out scores. <laughs> that leads me to one last question for you guys. So but before we get to the to the rating, uh, a thing that doesn't get off-discussed much, uh, which I would like to say something about the costumes in this film, uh, because I thought the costumes okay, yeah. generally were, were quite good. Uh, I thought the monk-like characters i know they i don't know if they were technically monks or not i I really liked uh all of their very many layered there was a lot of beautiful texturing beautiful colors i thought the production design in the film uh was very beautiful uh in addition to the cinematography uh the lighting that was done in the scenes uh when they were at the monastery again i don't know if i'm using the right terminology uh I thought all of that was really quite good. The only, the only thing I had a little bit of a petty problem with was his cape, which I actually like the fact that the cape had a little bit of a personality in the film, even though it was a little uh, cheesy at times, is that on the one shoulder it seemed to have like a like almost a padded cap, and then it was asymmetrically not the same on the other side. For some reason that really bothered me. But other than that, I really, really, really enjoyed the costume design in this film. Yeah, I, th- I think there's certain characters that it's really tough to take them from the comic page and translate them, them to film without it looking really bad. And, I mean, if you're going to pick out any character from Marvel, that would be tough to do that with. Doctor Strange would be that character. Um, and they did a good job. I mean, he does look like he looks cheesy. He's got the the kind of cheesy, you know, sorcerer goatee that you know I, that's something you can't do away with cuz that's just such a trademark look of the character in the comics and somehow they made it look pretty cool um and the cape and all the whole thing so you know, Benedict Cumberbatch definitely looked the part and they did they did a good job with his costume i didn't know notice the cape thing but i'm probably not one to notice those type of details it's funny you mentioned that Alice because about you know i guess halfway or a little after that through the movie, I, I was real. His his cape is like, is he just like wearing it weird? And then I realized, no, it's it is asymmetrical on purpose. Uh, but I I agree with you. I actually I thought that was really fun. The personality of the cape, you know, and uh, you know, it is the cape of levitation. So not only can he do magical things, but he can fly. So in they have a fun reason for why that happens. So I, I really I did enjoy that a lot. So. Um, yeah, no, thank you for bringing up that. I think you're right. The costumes in this movie are really good and, and you do want them to kind of have a standout quality to them, especially for what the type of, of movie that we're in with this fantastical world. It should be something that 
kind of breaks the mold. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed that. Allison, where did, where does this one rate, you think? So, you know, I I had a great time at this movie. I really enjoyed myself. I would give it a solid B plus, and I would say that it's in my top five Marvel movies. Nice. Nice. What about you, Aaron? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with her as far as it being toward the top of my, my Marvel movies. Um, generally, I enjoy Marvel movies. They're kind of you know, hit and miss though. There's definitely some that I haven't liked as much. I wasn't a big fan of, you know, the first Captain America, any of the Thor movies I actually didn't like Ant-Man hardly at all. Um, this is more, this is kind of up toward the top with things like guardians and Iron Man for me. Uh, the, just, they hit all the right notes for me with the, the balance of action and humor and, and just, um, good character design and acting. I mean, just, it was the whole package for me, what I want to see when I go watch a superhero movie. And it surprised me and I enjoyed the different elements that um, it introduced into the world. So yeah, it's, I don't know, as far as ratings, I don't typically give, give movies like a number or grade ratings, but I don't What do you guys, what scale do you usually use? Uh, I, I mean, you could do like a through, I mean, you know, F, a through F or you can do yeah, one through it's, five or. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a B plus movie for me as well. I, I I mean I love that you know we're we're in different places uh here uh, for me um uh, and it's it's really interesting I feel like this is the most average middle of the road marvel film that that's been done um I, I think everything here and uh, to me was very much a formula and and very much in the marvel formula and the problem was is that it never transcended the marvel formula like the best Marvel movies have for me like Winter Soldier or uh, Civil War or the original Iron Man that set the formula up uh, any of those movies really rock that and I think they, they do something really special to to bring you in and, and this one just didn't for me I have to say though you know I wrote a review of the film uh, on my blog and I was able to talk about some really deep incredible themes that play throughout this movie that I really really like so, for who I am personally, that raised the movie up for me, and I enjoyed it more than I would if that stuff hadn't been there. So, I really appreciated that. And to me, I would say that this is probably, um, as I said, average. So, I would give this movie a C. It, it's very much, and even I mean, looking at my Marvel list, uh, it's smack dab in the middle of the Marvel list. You know, it's not a. I wouldn't say it's a bad movie i wouldn't say it's a great movie it's it's just right there so i i'm really glad though that you guys were on the show to talk about it i had a, a really good time getting to dive into marvel and dr strange thank you so much really appreciate uh our associate producers here through patreon that allow us to do that ken trip davis grayson norman lau thank you so much guys supporting us through patreon we need your help. There's just no way that we can run this network without listeners just like you. So go over to patreon.com slash trackfm. See how you can become a part of the team and make sure that just for a, even just a little bit every month helps us make sure that happens. Again, that's patreon.com slash trackfm. Alice, it's great to have you back here in the 602 Club. Love when you're here. 
let everybody know where they can find you and about educating Sure. Th- thanks for having me. I, I do uh, enjoy the civil discourse that takes place over here at the 602 Club. Uh, always have, always will. Uh, over at EducatingGeeks.com, that's the podcast that I co-produce with uh, Megan Calcote, who also frequents the 602 Club. We are wrapping up uh, season four, um, making plans for what's going to happen next for the for the organization. Uh, you can find us, obviously, at educatinggeeks.com. Uh, and me personally, I'm on the internets pretty much anywhere you want to look. Uh, my handle is A-L-C-B-K-R. And Aaron... It is fantastic to have had you in your first visit to the 602 Club. I hope it'll lead to many more uh, adventures in podcasting together. But let everybody know where they can find you online. And you have some great podcasts yourself. So don't sell yourself short. Make sure everybody knows what they should be listening to. Okay. Well, thanks, Matt, for having me on the show. Um, I I usually talk about Star Wars when I podcast. So Marvel's a, a kind of a new world for me. I'm definitely not as... Much. It's a whole new world. <laughs> and we got in the Disney reference. But yeah, so I'm happy to to be able to come onto a podcast and talk about something I don't typically get to talk about. So thanks for having me on. But um, yeah, so I do a, a Star Wars literature podcast called Star Wars Bookworms. Um, so if any, anybody's interested in that type of material, you can find us in all the usual places. But uh, probably the easiest place to find us would be on iTunes. I also do a podcast about uh, Doctor Who called Bad Wolf Radio, which is another fun podcast I do with my co-host Adam Farmer. And I do a Lego Star Wars podcast called Star Scavengers, which I do with uh, Jonah Marie Macias. So, um, and all of those podcasts can be found on most of the podcatchers and uh, iTunes. So would love for anyone to check them out. And uh, do you have a place on Twitter where everybody could find you as well, Aaron? Yes, at AV Goins. And um, I won't go through all my podcast Twitter handles, but yeah, they're all they're out there. You can find me. <laughs> and I, I just want to say that is how I got to know Aaron by listening to his podcasts. I've listened to all of them. And if you're not listening to Aaron's shows, do. You won't regret it. So, yeah. Oh, thanks, just, man. Just... Yeah, no, I'm serious. That's how that's how I got to know you. So I think everybody else should get to know you that way too. Uh, and if you uh, you know you want to come hang out with us at Dragon Con next year uh, over Labor Day, we'll both be there again. Uh, and it's going to be fantastic. Uh, you can find me, of course, on Twitter at MattRushing02. I'm here on the network doing the Orb with Chris Jones talking about Deep Space Nine. I'm on Literary Treks talking about the books and comics of Star Trek literature with Dan and Bruce. We also get a chance to interview the author. So much fun. And I'm also doing, of course, uh, the 602 Club. As you know, you're listening to that. But make sure, if you're a huge Star Wars fan, check out Star Wars The 602 Club Collection. That's just the Star Wars shows. You can find that on iTunes along with, of course, all the other shows that we do here on the network. And if you're just uh, if, if you're just a huge Star Wars fanatic like like all of us, I think, for the most part, uh, you're going to want to listen to Aggressive Negotiations. I do that with the incomparable John Mills. It's over there on the Nerd Party Network. Just search Aggressive Negotiations in iTunes, mm-hmm. and you can also find us on thenerdparty.com. Such a great title. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. We had a lot of fun coming up with that one. I appreciate everybody being here, and y'all come back now. You're here. Yeah.